Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshort. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Uh, this is a very special Sword and the Trial because we're finally back in these seats again, Tom. It's good to see you. Well, it's good to be seen. Glad to be back here with you. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who have been keeping up with us here at Founders Ministries, you know that the last four weeks have been not like uh, normal for us. So on December 8th, um, Tom Askell, according to the updates you've seen, fell while ministering to the church. And uh, But by God's grace, you're here. And God has been working to heal your body and it's really good to sit down again, and we figured we would talk about everything that happened. Yeah, yeah. God's been really good um, in multiple ways, manifest ways, over these last several weeks. And, um, you know, we still have some unanswered questions. Things are being sorted out medically, but um, overall, man, so many reasons to be grateful. And the fact that I'm able to come in and uh, have another conversation with you here on this podcast is just testimony to how yes. good God is. So as you guys can probably tell, Tom and I are really good friends. And one of the, one of my favorite stories of everything that's happened, there's just a lot of stories, but one of my favorite stories is how you broke out of that hospital so fast. <laughs> that man is so smooth. He's just, it's like you assessed every nurse that came in on the shift. It was like, does she need the care to the stick? What do I got to do to make sure I'm getting out of here? You were like a, you were like a defensive end, like moving, swim moves, and then you got out of there. You fell Sunday, and then you got out Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon or evening, something like that. And But I had to. I mean, I had to get out. Uh, <laughs> I had to get out. I did. I, I mean, praise God for the medical professionals and gifts. Right. I mean, those are great gifts. I was thinking if this had happened 100 years ago, you know, it would be a different story. Um so I, I thank God for mm-hmm. every medical gift, and yet I know that they are gifts, and the givers far greater, and those gifts are limited, and everybody does the best that they can, uh, but everybody looks at their own little angles, you know, and um, and so there were, it, it became evident to me far more quickly than it did, I think, to the doctors and nurses that I needed to to get home get out of there i was i was reminded i felt very proud at that moment that it just felt like you were a country boy you're a texan it's like let me get out of here i just want to get home yeah and just start walking down the street well i needed to i mean i i, I medically I, I needed to and i there was a one nurse that saw that agreed with that and it was convincing the right people of it and um you know i tried not to be disrespectful or ornery you weren't uh, when i was in the room well, I'm glad to know that. Everybody was loving you. I'm there. capable of doing that, uh, but was trying to plead my case. <laughs> so. Yeah, you did a good job of that. So I guess um, there's a number of updates that we've done uh, on Founders, just written updates. They did a podcast or two maybe on this, but why don't we, once you spell out the story, what happened December 8th, just yeah. kind of give us a general survey of the land from December 8th until now. Okay, well, yeah, that... That weekend, or we had finished up the Founders Conference here and had premiered the By What Standard Synodoc, and it had gone really well. We had Jeff Johnson, one of our speakers for the conference, who stayed over and was to preach for us on December the 8th, that Sunday. And so for our Bible study hour, 9 o'clock, Jeff and I were sitting up front, which we typically do this with guests that we come in. We'll take the 9 o'clock hour, and we have these... uh, I don't know what they're called, these high boy chairs or whatever. We're, you know, Bar like, chairs, high, high bar chairs. Yeah, so we, we sit up there so people can see us a little bit. We're not up on the platform. And Jeff and I are just talking basically about his life and ministry. It was great. I mean, it was wonderful uh, to hear how God had guided him and 
um, the, the ministries that he's involved in now, the books, a couple of books he's written, at least we talked about. And man, I'm just thrilled with how well it's gone. So about 10 minutes before we finish, we always ask the guests, you know, how can we pray for you? And then we take time to pray. And so I called on four men who volunteered to pray. And uh, the first two had prayed, and the man that I thought was going to pray last started praying. I thought, well, okay, you know, so uh, he's prayed. I guess John will pray last now. And it, it was while Mark was praying, I'm following along, tracking, you know, heads bowed. Uh, next thing I know, man, I'm on the floor in pain. And um, I couldn't make sense of what was going on. People around me, uh, a lot of activity and emotion, obviously, and and uh, couldn't open my eyes, but I could hear, and I heard everything. So uh, we have a one of our members is an EMT, and he was sitting right there at the front. So man, he was on me quick. And another gentleman who's been attending for a while, uh, who's got medical background in some sort, uh, came and and they were right there, and you were there pretty quickly. Uh, Two of my daughters were there immediately and other children, the other girls and uh, Joel were there. One of my daughters, Rebecca, started singing, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast. Mm -hmm. It just was incredible. I'm I'm hearing this. I'm hearing people say, is he breathing? And, you know, I've got a heartbeat. His pulse is good. And, you know, so let's just give him room. I've called uh, uh, Eric. I've called my team, you know, because his his Mm -hmm. EMT team is just a mile or two away. So he was on the phone before 911, I think, was called. 911 was called by several people. Uh, you were praying. Uh, others were praying. So I was conscious of it. And people would open my eyes, you know. But I couldn't I couldn't focus and I couldn't talk. And I'm, I'm wanting to say, yeah, you know, man, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I couldn't do any yeah, of that. Yeah, from our end, you were very much not here. You were non-responsive, yeah. unconscious, whatever we would we yeah. So that was, uh, you know, it was disconcerting. And, and after, I don't know how long, but I mean, I finally just realized, okay, you know, I can't do anything about this. So uh, I'm laying there and at some point the EMTs get there and gurney me up and get me out. I've, I've since gone back and talked to people about what route they took out, you know, to get to the ambulance. And so I think I've got all that mentally mapped a little bit. Uh, we get in the, the ambulance and there's one of the fellows that's particularly uh, taking care of me. I think there must've been three or maybe four in the ambulance and, but he's the one that's over me and they've got IV and you know, he's talking to me, screaming at me, trying to get my attention and can you hear me? Will you answer me? Say something, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I think I'm trying, you know, so I couldn't say a thing. Uh, uh, but I remember he, he was, he was a, you know, praise God again for these great gifts, great gifts that God's given to people and, and the willingness to exercise those kind of gifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, this, that's God's kindness. But he, he was, uh, he was taking the Lord's name in vain and, uh, just was kind of, I don't know, profane. And that mm-hmm. agitated me. So I remember that. I remember him cutting off my coat and my shirt. And I'm thinking, Gosh, you're ruining this. You know why are you doing this? 
Yeah, not even responsive. Worried about that coat getting cut off. I know. The, 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 big, the big, big thought I remember is Donna wasn't there. Donna had broken her foot the night before, mm-hmm. you know, which is crazy. And she fell. This is a, a funny little story. Uh, and she was upset. She's had problems with that foot and probably knew she was going to have to have surgery someday on it again and was putting that off. And so she fell and it swelled up and she was pretty suspicious that she'd broken it. But she didn't go to church Sunday morning because of that. And I, she was upset and sad about it. I said, look, I said, you know, Psalm 23 says he makes us to lie down. Mm-hmm. So God is making you lie down. Preach a man. That's right. Preach a man. <laughs> that sermon didn't turn around. You, you know what happened. <laughs> Once I got my senses about me and my wife showed up. So, uh, yeah, she preached that sermon back to me. Uh, but anyway, so that we got to the hospital and, you know, it kind of was a blur off after that. But God's been so good yeah. getting through it. He has. Uh, there's so many funny stories. One is the those high bar chairs. We've got a sweet lady in the church that made gingerbread <laughs> cookies for everybody, and she's uh, quite the um, baker. And she's you got these these things where you can put letters in, and you can you can stamp it on the gingerbread cookie and then bake it, and it's kind of baked in, so you can do words. And one of them said, "Burn the tall chairs." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. She did. She did a whole series of those, but right. based on things that. I get you and I talked about That's or others right. or things that came out during that time. It's, it's really funny. It was really good. And so he went to the hospital that day. Um, and I was there at church and, um, it was right before our service was to begin mm-hmm. and your family was there. Your wife was being transported to the hospital to meet with you from, from your home. Your other, your children were there with your son-in-laws and your son and daughter-in-law. And we were able to pray for them and then your family went to be with you and the church turned wonderfully to worship the Lord. And it mm. was a, it was a, um, obviously a hard, challenging Sunday because our service starts right then. I mean, you're wheeled out. Yeah. And, um, but God helped our elders to uh, lead in that time wonderfully. And we, it was great because what you had taught this church over many, many, many years was, um, was active in their minds and hearts, even as you fell. That was what struck me is the, the, um, that the teaching of the word of God by faithful man, even when he uh, falls is, um, is there and, and by God's word and spirit and the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, they entered into worship. And, um, that was a very powerful, powerful Sunday, just singing songs, acapella and, um, hearing the word, praying the word, and knowing that everybody had no clue what would happen to you. And Yeah, that's, I've heard so many stories uh, um, about what happened. And we had a lot of guests there that day. Some had stayed over for the conference. And many of those folks have communicated with me as well as people in our congregation about what a, uh, a, a wonderful, uh, sober time of worship that was and i mean i praise god for our elders and the leadership that was given because jeff scheduled to preach Mm -hmm. so he didn't preach so the decision was made by the elders we need to kind of close ranks here and uh you preached psalm 93 uh somebody told me that that was not recorded so i didn't even try to find it on our website until last week uh i don't know what prompted me but i I went, and it's there. Mm. And so I listened to that message just a couple of days ago, probably four or five days ago. Man, it's a wonderful message. God helped you so much in, in an impromptu way uh, to expound that that wonderful psalm, which is Calvin's favorite psalm. Mm. Uh, the Lord reigns. That's how it begins. And 
So I would encourage folks to go listen to that message um, to get a little bit of a sense of what was going on congregationally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, praise God for your leadership, for the leadership of the elders and for the whole congregation. I've tried to listen to the stories of people who are there, both members and guests and uh, piece together, you know, some of what it must've been like. And my heart just sings. Yeah. There's there's no way to, to try to tell you all the, all the stories. I mean, we would need a whole day, but that highlights one is the grace of God and all of this is so, was so clear and so vivid, you know, in, in our time of worship, it was so clear that God is um, sustaining us. He will hold us fast. And we, you know, we're entirely uh, dependent upon him for everything. And in your life, there were you, when you were unresponsive watching God's grace in your daughters, you know, and for, so as I was caring for you, my daughter, I have a young daughter and my wife had other sick children at the house. So now I have a 10 year old daughter who doesn't have a clue what's going on. I have no ability to care for her. You had no ability to care for your daughter. And then talking to my daughter afterwards, it was, we were pointing out how, look how God helped you during that very traumatic time as a 10 year old, look how God helped uh, Tom's daughters and being reminded that we want to care well for our, for our sheep. We want to care well for our children. We want to care well for our wives. And yet, I've been reminded through all of this, it is the grace of God always. Yeah. We're means, and yet oh, we're going to, we're, we're not the um, the first cause. This is God right. Almighty, and he will take care of, you, 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 you mentioned this about at some point knowing that God would take care of your family, yeah. but having the sense that it's, um, you know, it's hard on them, you don't want that. That, yeah. that is such a lovely truth, you know, and seeing it from your pastoral ministry here in the church and how that, your family responded how the church responded. Your family responded so well. I mean, they were not frantic. They were, they were, you know, um, all the things you would expect people to be shocked, um, scared, concerned, all these things. But they had this faith that was evident, having no clue what's going to happen to you and being able to go and spend a moment with you in the afternoon when you were still very unresponsive at the hospital. But then through that, their strong faith and your wife's remarkable faith was just steadfast and um, <laughs> watching them as a team. You know, David Shannon was here with us during the time for the conference, and he kept remarking how he, he's like, there was an army. It's like, this happened to you. And everyone, all, all these children, wife, church, began to care for one another, watch out what was going on. Things were getting transported to where they needed to get transported. Everybody was was filling in, doing all these things. And that is the grace of God. Amen. It was wonderful to, Amen. to see that. Yeah, and I've sensed that. I was a, very much aware of it in my own life, even not being able to communicate. Uh, there was just that, that sense. You know, I, I didn't want to die, but I was okay with the thought of death. I was sad about Donna. You know, I had not had an opportunity to uh, talk with her or, or see her. But by the same token, I was praising God that she did, she was spared she didn't have to see that, you know. My kids had to see it, and a lot of people in the church uh, have had to see that. I, one of the things that dawned on me late after getting home is that this was a traumatic event, not just for me, but for other people. And, you know, I'd been so kind of self-absorbed in, in what was happening to me uh, that it, it didn't, it, it took, I don't know, almost a week for me to listen, hear, hear people talk about it and realize, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got to deal with this too. You know, they had to deal with it in the moment. I, one of our, no, more than one, but one of our men in particular, uh, Sunday, one of the first Sundays back, 
uh, when I was able to come to worship, he said, I never thought I'd see you again. So I thought you died. So I just knew you were going to die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty weighty thing for people to have to uh, contemplate. And what you said earlier, I want to underscore, it, we, we're dependent upon the grace of God. And that's true right now. That's true every moment of our lives. And yet it doesn't feel true always because mm-hmm. God's so good to us so long, so many ways, so regularly that it's easy to presume that we're going to get up tomorrow just like we got up this morning and we're going to live tomorrow the way we live today. And yet we know theologically that's not the case, that it's always if the Lord wills. Mm-hmm. And events like this, they don't change anything. They don't change theology. They prove theology. They, they demonstrate the truthfulness of what God has taught us in his word. And so to prepare, how do you prepare for something like this? Uh, you, you, you take God at his word. You remember it. You believe it. He's sovereign. This didn't catch him off guard. He's not up there wringing his hands trying to figure out what to do. He was orchestrating Mm -hmm. these events in the same way that he orchestrated the events of the death of his son. And I I think that, in in my mind, I'm thinking about this congregationally and praising God for the grace he's given to this church, that if we can believe and remember that God was sitting on the throne as the uh, MC at the crucifixion of Jesus. He's the one who has planned it. He is the one who is orchestrating it. He is the one who is working his deepest work of redemption in it. Mm-hmm. If, if that's true in the most unjust, wicked event that ever happened in the world mm-hmm. from one vantage point, then I have every reason to be confident that he is doing the same thing in the same place, in the same way, with the same love, in the difficulties that come into my life no matter how severe they are. Mm-hmm. So it's that theological foundation that we need to be laying in our own lives regularly that, that sometimes God forces us to come to terms with. Is it, do we really believe this? Is this mm-hmm. really true or not? Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. And it's, it's daily. It doesn't seem to be significant in the moment, but it's huge. Yeah. You know, there's another thing that's going to delight through this. You, the, the Monday morning after you fell at church, you know, we had that time where I came in uh, that Monday morning and you had requested your Bible through a nurse, which gave me access to get back there. And you asked to read, you asked me, so what do you want to read? And you said Psalm 139. So I started reading Psalm 139 and I was, it was just amazing to see how this text, which is penned by David was matching up to your own life about where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Um, And then this, uh, verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, which certainly seemed to be what had happened to you. Uh, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. And given the things you were communicating, encouraging people to fear the Lord, mm-hmm. and things like that in the midst of you being very much in darkness from our vantage point that you're, it was clear your faith was very strong and the power of the spirit was still at work in you. Um, and the passage goes on. It's got this fascinating uh, line in verse 18. It says, I awake and I'm still with you. So if the darkness covers me, darkness is not dark to you. Night is as bright as the day. You're with me. And then I awake and I'm still with you. In verse 19, the very next thing out of David's mouth is, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God, O oh men of blood, depart from me. 
And I've always thought that's a little abrupt in that psalm. <laughs> I've said, David, I mean, you got all these wonderful things about the Spirit being with you and wherever you go, and then all of a sudden you're talking about slay the wicked. What's this deal? And when you um, did awake, when I came back that Sunday night, because Sunday afternoon you were you were very unresponsive, even late into the afternoon, and then we prayed as a church that Sunday evening at a 5 o'clock prayer meeting, standard meeting for us, but we changed it from a evening worship to just a more of a focus on prayer. We prayed fervently for you. I got out of that um, Sunday evening prayer meeting very concerned about what was going to happen to you because when I saw you that afternoon again you you were not very responsive at all to me and um, I get out of the prayer meeting and I call my wife who was at the hospital with you and your family and she said he's talking in full sentences and I was overwhelmed so you know I go flying because it's like 7 o'clock and then I got word that your place closed at 8 so I'm flying down there you know and I'm running down the hallways and stuff and I got down there to you and you then you were yourself you know then you were being uh, Tom so that was that was great but in our first conversation we were talking about ministerial things that needed to get done <laughs> and your passion for the truth of God to be proclaimed and I think that's when I told you I said whenever you do die I'm going to use it to publish the gospel <laughs> as far as I can and you said you better and um, but that may then I realized how dumb it was of me to think that David's being abrupt when you are with the Lord um, no, we don't want phys- we don't want uh, human beings to die. We want them to know Christ. But yes, uh, slay all the wicked things, slay all the sin that is anything that is opposed to you, because you see the truth from God's perspective. You understand who He is. You understand how holy He is, how good He is, how right He is in all these ways. And you want uh, evil to be done away with, and you want people to hear the truth and believe it and repent. So that fervency has then shaped the way that we're seeing. It's, it's been wonderful because it's what happened to you. Um, some people can look at this and go, okay, well, you know, look, he's just working too hard. It's what guys do. You know, it's working too hard. It's like, well, let's think about how we're supposed to live our lives. We are supposed to die well. And, um, you know, every person's making a practical decision about how to do that. But to fight and to labor for the truth the way you were doing it. I mean, it's no secret that we, we are saying, the sword and the trial. We want to build and we want to fight. And we're spending ourselves and being spent for the kingdom of Christ. And that means that trials will come and challenges will come. Sleepless nights came to Paul. Look at all the things that he cried out to God. You know, you can hear, you can hear somebody saying, well, you know, he just needs to... He just needs to trust God more, and he wouldn't have all those sleepless nights. It's like, no, 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 that's not what has happened with Paul. That was faithfulness. And to see your family understand that right from the get-go, and then the church to understand that, and to say, we we rejoice that we have a pastor that is actually spending himself and being spent for Christ. Now, I know that in some ways that might make you uncomfortable for us to talk about this, but we have to talk about this one. It's, it's the grace of God in you, Tom. Mm-hmm. We know that, but it's a lesson for us all to learn. We are to spend our lives for Christ. So here you are facing all the challenges that you faced and preaching God's word faithfully and speaking truth and grace and fasting when you when this happened and praying and all of these things. Um, it was amazing. As your friend watching your life, it's like I know you well. I'm not, this is a guy who's repenting and believing. This is a guy who loves people even loves enemies. This is a guy who's being faithful in challenging times. And it was funny, even, I, I think I already joked with you, like physically it, was, it stinks for me because you were in great shape. I'm like looking at you, I'm like Tom's on his 60s looking better than me. You know, I got my whole belly over here. So it was like, it was to see all of these things come together 
and to watch you in that moment, being faithful to the Lord, engaged in ministry, and then for this to happen, it was a lesson to me. I think it's a lesson to many pastors. You are called to fight the good fight of the faith and to finish the race and to speak the truth in love and to suffer what comes. If you're going to be a minister of the gospel, you're going to be persecuted. If you're being faithful, you're going to be persecuted. Paul says all who seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that kind of thing will be troublesome. That kind of thing is going to have uh, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical ramifications for one's life. And the call is to press on in faith and repentance. Love your wife, love your family, love your church. Continue to be faithful. And brother, you have modeled that so wonderfully in this. And I know that you think of a thousand ways. You, you I know, I know, you, you whatever. But it's an amazing example that we all need to take time to look at and go, hey, um, may I be like that by the grace of God. May I follow this man as he follows the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the, yeah, that's kind of you to say, and, and it is God's grace. And the, the one incredibly significant truth that needs to be highlighted out of this is this man. I mean, if, if God can give grace to the likes of Tom Askell, he can show grace to anybody. I mean, the, the way that God's revealed himself to me, guided me, you know, my, our family, I mean, that, it, it is, it, it doesn't, it defies explanation apart from sovereign grace. I mean, that's it. That is totally it. So it ought to be hopeful for everyone to say, well, man, you know, if God can do that with this guy, he could do that for me. I have every reason in the world to be hopeful. So I, I, that's my desire is that that will be communicated. And, you know, in and through it, I mean, the gospel's true. It really is true. And I have to continually remind myself of that and bring my thinking and my attitude and my emotions in line with that. And they're always getting out of whack. So it's not a one-off deal. It's like a regular daily deal to try to fight those fights to, to keep truth in its proper place, Christ on the throne in my thinking and my life aligned with it. And when that's happening, yeah, what you said in Psalm 139, yeah, you know, slay the wicked. Uh, that, that, that's what got me, I think, in the ambulance with this mm -hmm. guy. You know, I mean, he's taking our Lord's name in vain. My, the Lord has got my life in his hands. And, uh, and I couldn't say anything, but God helped me to say that. You know, two words. Fear, fear God. God. And, and, and the first two words out of your mouth. Those were the first two words out of my mouth, as I can recall. And, and it, I was doing it for his sake. But, I mean, the God that's keeping him alive, keeping me alive, he's just oblivious to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think of that, I think it was the first time we talked that Sunday night, is um, in in light of all this, kind of the lessons we're learning. I think it's when we came up with the wield the sword, and so here you are laid up. <laughs> here you are laid up in. That's what I said to you Monday when you asked the when you asked for your Bible. I came and said, "I got your sword. What do you want to read?" Yeah. And uh, wield the sword is that it was clarifying even before this happened to you Sunday. I think uh, during the conference we were saying, "Well, what's next?" And we just we saw ways. Um, that there were ideologies coming into the church and leading people astray. You know, we've cited different things, Josh Harris and things like that, where pastorally we know it's easier not to pick some of those fights that yeah. that that in godliness we should pick. You know, we should say, well, we're going we're to fight that fight. We're going to wield the sword um, in that way, at that issue. So taking the word of God 
and saying, yes, I know it's, I know it's inerrant. It doesn't have any errors in it. I know it's authoritative, but I'm actually going to take it and wield it. I'm going to take it and apply it. So pastoral theology, practical ministry, I'm actually going to put it to work on that issue and in this way. And so we're trying to do that moving forward. People have been wonderful through By What Standard, that film that we did. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, okay, here we are. We're wield the sword came when Tom had a sword laid in the hospital. First time he could really talk. We said, let's do this. Yeah. This is what's happening. And by God's grace, I've seen us be able to do that more and more. And we're excited about this uh, upcoming film. So you can go to founders.org and check out uh, that project. Um, may take us some time to get that project done because we really want to drive down on a number of key issues with a number of key people and really try to equip pastors, church leaders to say, okay, I under, I'm understanding the times here and I'm understanding how the word of God applies. Now I see the courage that's going to be required. I see the sacrifice that's going to be required if I really engage on these issues, but um, may we do so for the glory of Christ. Amen. Amen. I, I, and we're not getting out of this uh, difficulty that we're in in the evangelical world apart from a revival of the Word of God by the Spirit of God. And so if we want God's Spirit to work, then how presumptuous of us to think that we can hope for that while neglecting the Word. And mm-hmm. I, I tell you, it's become so clear to me. I, I've not doubted it for a long time, but it's become increasingly clear to me that we just assume, because we're all inerrantists, we assume that we really are living according to the word. And I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm talking about myself, mm-hmm. talking about our church, talking about our elders, that we need to humble ourselves before God and open the book and say, okay, here's what the word says and here's how we've been living contrary to it. God help us to repent and to get alignment again in the word and submit ourselves to that uh, and cry out to the spirit. Because the Spirit's got to do that work. He's got to convict. He has got to empower. Uh, he's got to grant repentance. He's got to grant faith. And we need that. And if that doesn't happen, uh, then we'll just be washed over. And yeah. God's kingdom will go on. But uh, we will not yeah. see the things that we long to see. Well, thank you uh, for those who listen here to the Sword in the Trial. Thank you for your prayers for Tom and for his family, Amen. for our church, and for Founders Ministries. Um, it's been great to see God's hand at work. Continue to pray for yeah. Tom as he heals up uh, for his family, for Grace, and for Founders Ministries. Uh, we are extremely grateful for you, and uh, we are looking forward to the days ahead. Pray that God would make us faithful. Amen. I, I would like to just add to that, Jared, a personal expression of thanksgiving. I, uh, my family, our church, has heard from people around the world uh, that have said they are praying, have prayed. And I don't, I don't think there's an explanation for me being able to sit here today uh, apart from God's uh, sovereign, gracious intervention to do things that are medically inexplicable to put me to this place. As I said, there's still questions about all that's happened and even is going on. But for me to be able to sit here today is incredible. And uh, that prayer meeting Sunday night and people praying Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, um, the trauma doctor, one of the trauma doctors kept saying, unbelievable, unbelievable what happened in those few hours. So if, if you prayed for me, prayed for our church, thank you. Uh, praise God. Please continue to pray that he will work all of this together in ways that will bring great glory to himself and good to his people. Amen and amen. Thank you again for listening to The Sword and the Trowel.